Welcome to Books, Broads, and Booze. This is your host, Jamie Bennett, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Monica. Hello. So this month we are discussing The Master and Margarita by uh, Mikhail um, something or other. (laughs) Russian name. (laughs) My my Russian is really terrible. Uh, Bogolikov, I think. Yes. So we're going to go with that anyway. Crazy, crazy book, which is why I loved it. I, I have a series of discussion questions that I got from the publisher, but let's just go like overall feelings about the book. So how did you feel about it? Reading this book was like experiencing a fever dream. (laughs) (laughs) It was something. It was something. It was pure chaos and it did. I, I didn't hate it. I also didn't love it. I felt like I had to work really hard to read it. <laughs> and you know, I think it's supposed to be funny and I didn't get the humor. So I, I think a lot of it may have to do with the fact that I missed a lot of the the cultural references, perhaps, because I don't know a lot about Russian history and like the time. Yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily supposed to be funny funny mm. but it was definitely supposed to be absurd it was absurd so i did get that so it was here's uh the, how the russian government is operating the uh, soviets mm-hmm. and the absurdity of that and i don't think it was necessarily supposed to be funny okay that makes more sense i will say that it was worthwhile to read i'm glad i read it it was very, very interesting, but I don't feel it was like if you're looking for a book to just kick back, relax, and enjoy yourself, not really no, the book for that. No, no, I, don't think, I, don't, I think it's a book you should probably read sober. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not really that long, and it's... Uh, so I think the whole purpose of Voland and his intents and the whole story is to make it chaotic, to yes. make it confusing because i think that was like he's satan so that's kind of like his purpose like oh what am i doing here and uh yeah i am going to put do not disturb on yeah oh sure uh should i close the door yeah we can close the door so a, a brief summary of the book is the book opens up there's uh, a publisher and a poet talking at Patrick's Park or something like that. And they imagine they see somebody, and then this professor-looking foreigner shows up, who happens to be the devil. And they say, oh, we don't believe in God, we don't believe in the devil. And he's like, well, let me tell you about Jesus. I was there. And he tells the publisher that he's going to die and how he's going to die. And the publisher is like, this guy is nuts. I got to get out of here. So he heads to go to a meeting of all the writers, trained rails, and cuts off his head. And Ivan was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. That guy needs to be stopped. And of course, people think he's crazy. He goes, he jumps into the river trying to cleanse himself after having realized he had been with Satan. Somebody steals his clothes. So then he's just sort of, he finds an old shirt and some underwear to walk around in. And then he's walking around the city saying, we need 
the government, we need police, we need weapons, we have to take this guy down, he's out there, he's dangerous. And people are like, oh, dude, okay. <laughs> Do you know what you look like? <laughs> Even though he was telling the absolute truth. Right. And, and, he, and Satan did tell him, was, was speaking about schizophrenia kind of foreshadowingly at their little meeting, which I thought was interesting. Uh, yeah, the author does a lot of like foreshadowing about things. Yeah. So he, he goes to the, this mental institute and that's where he meets the master. The master's like, I have no will to live. I really don't care. Yeah, I know all about Pontius Pilate. I won the lottery, and I wrote this really amazing book about it. And then I burned the book because that's just how I am. Because artists are nuts. <laughs> and then the story sort of, like, devolves from there into a lot of weird things happening. Uh, Volan decides to put on a play at the Variety Theater. Which they called a seance, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, This because he was demonstrating black magic. Yes. And it was wildly popular. Everyone wanted to go and see it. And then something else weird happened. There were a lot of minor characters and oh, a lot yeah. of absurd situations oh. in the middle of the book. Yeah. Definitely. So Volan is, t- he takes up residence at this apartment and he's like in number 55 and they talk about how people go in to number 55 and then they disappear after that which i found this wonderful website that has all these beautiful resources for the book and i will i will look it up for you and let you know what it is but they said that that particular passage was him talking about the secret police in soviet russia at the time that it was a police state and people would just disappear and he couldn't come out right and say that and say hey people are arrested and never seen again that that was his way of saying hey this is going on which he does a lot in the book kind of shadows what life was like for him under Stalin in a very horrible time to be alive at right. that point in time and space. And he probably would have been one of those people who disappeared had anybody found out about his book, which wasn't published until, what, 25 years after he died? Quite well, a while. Parts of it were published. They were heavily censored, which is one of the huge things that he has in the book. Oh, so the website is called litcharts.com. It has... Uh, a summary of all the chapters. It has analysis of the chapters. It has summary of the 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 entire book. It has, uh, like, detailed information about all the themes of the book as well, and a list of all the characters because there are a lot of characters. So, great resource. Highly recommend. I went through. I read this book several months ago, so I went through and read the summary of all the chapters to just refresh my brain because the story is so crazy. But I. <laughs> I really enjoyed the book so much because the story was really crazy. It wasn't predictable. I didn't know what was going to happen. I was interested. I was like, so what? what is going on? And what the hell is up with this whole Pontius Pilate thing? And like, why is everybody talking about him? And what's going to happen? And then at the end, I was like, I did not see that happening. I did not see that coming. Totally surprised. I very much like the Pontius Pilate theme the Satan's Ball, the Master and Margarita, 
I love those storylines. I found a lot of the extra things that were happening instead of like, I wasn't like, wow, what's going on? This is so interesting. I was like, what in the heck is going on? I am lost. <laughs> like, this doesn't even, who is this guy anyway? <laughs> yeah. Like, we're just going to randomly pick up this guy who happens to be dating Margarita's, like, maid. And we're going to, like, torture him and then turn him into a pig and send and, him back. And fly him like a broomstick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, and actually that I, I do I will say that I found the second half of the book because it's separated into book one and book two I found book two to be a lot easier to read and a lot less confusing and I don't know why what happens uh, at the start of part two of um, book two well book two I was just open to it Book two is um, the, where the Satan's Ball happens. Okay. And it's primarily about Margarita. It's more about Margarita. She's not really in the first half of the book. She's not. She's yeah. not at all. Which, when I was reading it, I was like, so, all right, we, we found out who the master is. And mm-hmm. he briefly talks about Margarita. I'm like, whoa, where, where is she? She's right. on the title. Yeah. So the second <laughs> half of the book deals with Margarita. And I found that part way easier to read and it made much more sense although I will say (laughs) so it's funny the talking about Satan and Yeshua and um witches and all of this stuff it's funny because Margarita becomes a witch because she is in cahoots with Satan and she hosts his ball and um yes at the time, and even now, that is a popular belief that witches are witches because they worship Satan. So, that is the one part that I know, like, it's not supposed to be a main issue in the book, but it always just nags me a little bit because it's like, witches don't even believe in the devil. <laughs> but if you're talking about, you know, just your fantasy, like, scary story that you would tell, and she turns into a witch, and she rides her broomstick naked through the sky, and her maid also, you know, turns rides this naked. guy into a pig and rides him <laughs> naked through the sky, and, you know, so it was... It was interesting that I feel like that's where it starts to get interesting. <laughs> I was very surprised. And yeah. she's like, it's so great, riding naked through the sky. <laughs> and she just does like these really random things. Like um, the master wanted to get his book published, but it was rejected. It, it was rejected by the critics. The, it wasn't critically acclaimed. So. That is one of the themes that uh, that is in the book is talking about state-sponsored art versus authentic art. And he had the capacity to write his book genuinely, authentically, truthfully, because he had won this lottery and he had all this extra money from it so he could take the time and do it what he thought was the right way, which is why... Margarita calls him the master, and he has no name throughout the whole book. We never learned his name, which I found intriguing. And I was thinking maybe that was part of, like, trying to protect him from being inauthentic was stripping away his identity and just making him the master. But I don't know. 
I didn't actually look that up. That was kind of just what I was thinking about when I was like, hmm, perusing, like, why doesn't he have a name? Why does everybody else have all these terrible names I can't pronounce? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because it takes place in the 1920s in Russia. That's why. But, yeah, I mean, so he, he couldn't get his book published in another theme that overlaps that one is his cowardice in standing behind his work. He walks away from everything. He becomes depressed. He goes to the mental institution. He burns his manuscript. So even though he was authentic and did create this wonderful work of art, it's almost like it was for nothing because he didn't stand up for it. He just gave up on it. Mm. But sneakily, Satan has coffee. The best line in the book is manuscripts never burn. (laughs) That was the best line in the entire book. (laughs) Because I am the type of person who when I create things, I, or write things, even if it's a diary or whatever, it's in the trash. Like I never save anything. I always throw everything away. So like thinking like there's a, there's a copy out there somewhere for posterity is kind of interesting. Manuscripts never burn. I thought it was... So, Margarita hosts the ball, and Satan's like, okay, so you made it through, you win, what would you like for your prize? And she's she's being, like, a little sneaky. She's expecting them to um, want her to do something very selfish and very self-centered, and she's like, you need to let Frida go. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I was expecting you to do something for the master, I was not expecting you to do this first. Because I'm like, is this really going to help your case with, I need to be with the master. We need to be reunited. Because she keeps talking about it. Oh, the love of my life. I need to be with him. Funny story. They were both married. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They were both married and didn't really like their spouses. And he left his wife and she wrote a note to her husband and was like, "Mm, sorry, so long. See ya. Right, and I and I think that that also goes along with a lot of the themes in the book about good and evil and how you can't have one without the other and also the lines are kind of blurry on who's good and who's not good. and That was um, definitely one of the themes. Ambiguity yes. of, you know, good versus evil. It is full and really all that bad, you know. He's no worse than the people running the place, right? Right. So, and then, but Margarita, it was very, um, you know, compassionate of her to Frida was in hell, I guess, because she suffocated her baby with a handkerchief because she couldn't afford to feed it, which I assume is some sort of a reference to the poverty of the time. And so every day the handkerchief that she smothered her baby with appears to her. So and she can't let go of it. She has to carry it around. Right. And and Margarita does say that she did it because not because she was being particularly kind, but because she told her she would. And so she had, you know, she how could she go back on her word? I I must ask this of you. So to me it seemed sort of maybe clever of Margarita to present herself in that way. Like I'm not pretending to be you know, this caring and wonderful person, but I, my honor is at stake, basically. 
So she did a good thing, but yet in the way she did it, she still was able to get her favor also. Right. Oh, so uh, let's talk about our wine real quick. Mm. I picked up a Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley. It's the, uh, the bottle is called Slices, and uh, it has a picture of a cow on the front with different parts that you can slice up so we won't we're not going to show it to monica (laughs) it doesn't have to look at the cow parts (laughs) but we're just gonna drink it cows are not for slicing (laughs) they're for petting (laughs) but it is a nice wine it's dry but it's not too dry it's it's very delicious so Mm -hmm. i i recommend it it's from uh 2017 and my favorite part of it is that it is the screw tap Oh, screw yeah. cap and I get along. I have carpal tunnel, so I don't do corks anymore. Hmm. Please do not send me cork wine. I mean, can I get you, you an electric to. corkscrew for Christmas? Perhaps that would help. <laughs> they make those. They do make them, yeah. and uh, Mom had one, and I believe it worked well. Hmm. Um, I don't know why she doesn't have it anymore. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, it's like my hands, carpal tunnel, all the other ones. I mean. Even the easy open one that my friend Ellen gave me now is just really hard for me. I've been having like some weird stuff going on with it, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> so back to back to the book. Ah, uh, so one of the questions that the publisher has on here is why does Margarita become devoted to the master's novel? Okay, I think that Margarita is devoted to the master's novel. What my notes that I wrote for this question is because it's it's like she's she's so behind it because it's good, but it was not published because of politics and corruption, and she sees that injustice. That's what I think. I was. I had more of an opinion that because he was so upset about the critics that she wanted to sort of roll over that and and kind of protect him, say, hey, you know what? Those guys don't know what they're talking about. They're just part of the government. They're getting paid to say what they want to say. They're getting paid to say what they're supposed to say and that this is real. This is real work. And, you know, this is something outstanding that you should really be proud of. Yeah, that makes total sense because she is totally and completely in love with him from at first sight. So, yes, she would definitely do that. And then, uh, I don't like the the order of these questions, so I'm trying to, like, make it (laughs) more flowing for what we're talking about. Mm. So... The story of Pontius Pilate is presented not only by the master, because the master writes a whole book about him, then it's also told by Voland. It's dreamed by Ivan, who also goes by Homeless, and I really don't appreciate it when the character has like three names in a book, so please, please don't, don't do that. And I did recognize him as Homeless. <laughs> I, I focused on that name. I think I can associate poet and Homeless. <laughs> That, and I love poetry. I, that is not a slam on poetry. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's just kind of like one of those yeah, things, starving artists. Yeah, okay, Almost yeah. poet made sense to me. And then, and then Margarita read the whole part. And, and it's like, so at the end, Pancho's pilot feels like he's having a dream where he's just in this constant argument with that weird philosopher guy who said that everyone is good and... And then uh, he never executed him, and things are fine. And then he sees uh, the master and Margarita, and they're like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, man, just go ahead and follow that guy up there. And it was very weird. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking, actually, to my husband about it a little bit because he was raised in the church and said that Pontus Pilate actually was condemned to wander the earth until the end of the world, which I didn't know. And I thought it was interesting that in the book, it was a dream state. He was eternally living over this great moment of regret that he had. And again, back to the cowardice theme where he, you could tell he didn't want him to be executed and tried everything he could to get him out of it but only without any risk to himself. Right, right. And so it was that guilt and regret that kept him in that in that never-ending cycle of reliving how he wished that it could be and then realizing all the time that, you know, nope, I did it. <laughs> so. Oh, and he, and he had his dog there to distract him too. Like, oh, my puppy and I wouldn't ever do anything that was wrong right were there any other topics that you wanted to discuss well i thought it was really interesting that in the time so the the comparison between Stalin stalin and caesar and the way that people were and how horrible people were in this book i mean this book really really points out greed the you know satan brings out woland brings out the the chaos and the greed and all of the negative characteristics of the people. And the comparison between the two storylines is everybody's living in fear in this police state. They, they're they worried about what they have to say. It actually doesn't make them better people. It makes them more, the fear makes them more conniving and, more apt to do the wrong things I think and and the philosophy that Pilate was most intrigued by was as you said Yeshua saying that all people are inherently good all people are good even the most horrible people that he could think to bring up for example yes he's good too we're all good and so I felt that that was very beautiful very beautifully illustrated and um in the in the Moscow timeline, you know, people like Margarita, even though she did these terrible things, left her husband, flew around naked, she's still a good person. Right. Basically. So Which leads to another interesting question is that um like an angel goes to Voland and says, Margarita and the Master have earned peace. And he's like, you're not going to take them to the light. They're like, no, they haven't earned the light, but they have earned peace. And I thought that was a good difference. 
to sort of like segregate like yeah they're not the greatest people but they're still pretty decent but they did the best they could with what they had you know what i mean like their intentions were not bad they didn't really want to hurt anybody okay they deserve to be happy and in peace and to be together Maybe not like ultimate happiness paradise, but and I think the author did make it seem as if the master was the one sort of dragging Margarita down. She was indeed a better person than he because he lacked the courage of his convictions like Pontus Pilate did. And he was still depressed and wallowing in self pity mm-hmm. at the very end, like they, spoilers, they get killed. And he's like, oh, what the hell? We have to die? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, she was, she was like really like ready to roll with whatever, you know? Margarita's like, yeah, I, I'm down with this. Man, flying's cool. Being naked's all right, you know? I gotta die? Hey, I get to start over. This is great. I mean, she was actually really very interesting. <laughs> She was way more interesting than the master. Right. I will agree with that. He was he was really like Actually, Margarita boring. and Homeless were my two favorite characters. I I really did like Homeless a yes. lot. The the whole in the whole mental illness like section of the book with him being committed. I mean, <gasps> he's committed for schizophrenia and he is telling the truth. Right. Everything he said was true. So it's a lot like, you know, if you don't fit into the constraints of society and do things the way society wants you to do it, you must be crazy. And I think that there was a big message there in that. And a lot of people ended up in the loony bin. <laughs> and the the psychiatrist, the doctor's arguments with him were so logical and so so leadingly logical and sound that he made... Ivan think that he was crazy. He's like, oh, well, when you put it that way, right. well, I guess I'm not going to call the police and ask for a bunch of guns. <laughs> and I'm not saying he wasn't a little over the top in his reaction. Maybe he did need some counseling to like bring his emotions into check or whatever. But, you know, we do often not trust our intuition or trust our gut and trust what we know to be true. And we can be talked into things by society and other people and some people are more susceptible to that than other people and I think the author really wanted us to know that speaking your own authentic truth is more courageous than going along with how everybody else wants you to be I agree with that 100% I'm like amen sister yeah which is one of the uh Further discussion questions is, to what extent do individuals control their faith? And I would say that it really is a matter of courage. Yes. I I would definitely say that. I mean, practice whatever you feel comfortable doing, but some people it's... Well, I mean, the author himself, I think, felt guilty about it because he could not come forward with his most authentic work of art because he was afraid that he was going to be disappeared you know so it's kind of he really did a great job in the book showing the complexities of this is the right thing to do it's it's hard to do the right thing 
you know, this is a bad thing to do, but doing this bad thing led to all these good things. You know, I mean, it, it, it did do a great job with the nuances of human life. Nothing is ever cut and dry or black right. and white. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, and interesting question at the very end, too. Would acts of goodness have the same meaning in the absence of acts of evil? Oh, that was another great part in the book where Wollen says, you know, would you have me skin the earth with, you know, to make it without shadow so it was only light? You know, can you have good without bad? Um, Can you know happiness without first knowing sorrow? I mean, our whole human condition is all about duality. That's how we understand the world we live in is by going through the opposites. So he's saying that, you know, he is a necessary evil. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was great. I did as well. <laughs> I did as well. And it, the whole duality has existed through multiple cultures, multiple societies, thousands of years. And I think it, it is part of the human condition. And then uh, one of the final discussion questions. What are the similarities between religious and aesthetic experience? <sighs> I think it's yeah, like I'm not just, too sure about that one. I mean, it, I think it would just be like an emotional mm-hmm. response to something to being emotionally moved by something. Like you can know something, and you can believe something. You can see something, and then you can feel it. So I think that those were the similarities that he was getting between art and religion, because there is a lot of like themes overlapping in art and religion and both of those things were stifled in his time very much so so i mean there was a great longing for that and there was a lot of talk of you know the supernatural and the fifth dimension because the apartment that they were inhabiting you know when you walk inside it's like unbelievably large like it's just right and the fifth dimension we've made all this extra stuff and So I think there was a real need. I think humans have a need to believe in the magical and the mystical and the artistic and the aesthetic. And it sparks our creativity and our soul. And I feel like, perhaps for the author, that was very lacking in his life. And so maybe that's why it was so much a part of the book. Oh, my favorite character of the book was actually the cat. I loved the cat. How have we not talked about the cat? <laughs> I, like, oh, I just saw a behemoth roll by. I'm like, oh, the cat. We haven't talked about the cat. I love the cat. Like, oh, the cat is like Satan's minion, but he's, he's like, like the sassy jester, the fool. And, the, yeah. Yeah. I, I cannot believe. And he talks and rides on the tram and. <laughs> He drove the train by himself. I'm like, what the hell? He likes to (laughs) play with guns. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the cat was great. uh, He's described to be about the size of a pig, but stands on two legs upright and talks. And people are like, what the hell? And when at the end, when the police and everything, when they're all searching for the devil and his minions... 
there's this great uprising of fear and all the citizens start bringing in their cats and their neighbor's cats to the police station. Yeah, and the 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 police kill like it was a, a crazy amount of cats. Like thousands of cats and I was like, like no. yeah, like like a hundred thousand cats. Mm-hmm. Like almost all the cats in the city they come in to kill because of this cat. Yeah, who is the he's like a trickster, you know. That was that was one of uh, the author's ways of saying, look how foolish the the Soviet police are. That they will go through and they will needlessly kill all these innocent animals when they can't confront the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a great character, and it was one of my um, inspirations. I'm working on a short story myself, Ooh. and I was like. Oh, you know what? A cat is a really great character. And after I finished this book, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this cat. <laughs> I mean, he's a jerk, but he's yeah. hilarious and he just does stuff. And people are like, we have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> you no, know, I gotta say, after talking about the book, I like the book a lot better. It's not like I didn't like the book. I just felt it difficult to read. But after talking about it with someone... I found that I did enjoy it more than I thought I did. It's like those books that you had to read for English class that after, you, you know, like you're reading Shakespeare and you're like, what? <laughs> but then you talk about it and you're like, oh, that's great. I get it now. Like, that's kind of how I feel about this book. Definitely not an easy read, but worth it. Awesome. Yeah. Woohoo. So, uh, I just saw this really interesting bit on... Lovers, they have uh, symbols, they have characters, they have quotes. You can choose your favorite chapter and say you want a quote from that chapter. And the chapters actually give the names and the numbers. So you can be like, oh, look, here's one about Margarita. And uh, it says something about flying naked. Huh, who would have thought that? <laughs> <laughs> So as we wrap up our podcast, I just want to say thank you everyone for listening. And if you are enjoying the show, if you would please give us a rating on iTunes, that would be super awesome. So thanks everybody. Have a great month. We'll see you next month. Bye. Bye.